0: Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining the latest instalment in our Return to Work series. We will be looking at the findings of a survey that we recently put out in which we asked over a thousand of our fellow employees to kind of give us some information on how their previous year had kind of gone in terms of their work life, workplace. And we were asking questions regarding kind of what impact the pandemic had had on them and their business, how their expectations had changed regarding work and how they expected these expectations to drive the workplace strategy, kind of the actual shape of the workplace itself moving forward. Uh, We also tried to look a bit at views regarding employee health and safety in the workplace. And also, uh, we tried to touch on how businesses previously managed their space requirements and what people would like to see happening moving forwards. I'll be joined today by the CEO and founder of Open Senses, Yolit Stanton, and also by Emma Dutton, who is a highly experienced leadership development expert and coach at Leopard Learning. We might as well dive straight in and look initially at the the impact of the pandemic on employees themselves. And we found two key areas which we thought were particularly interesting. The first of which was that 69% of respondents claimed that in some way their work-life balance had been impacted by the pandemic. And when we dug down into this, it was through things such as childcare responsibilities, interruptions, and the kind of of natural merging of your your work life and your private life when you're working from the same place. But interestingly, we then actually found that 62% of respondents claimed that their mental health had been impacted due to the lack of socialisation from having the office as kind of a central point of reference. 53% said that their productivity was affected, and this was by factors such as uh, lack of privacy or just not having the right space to work. 64% said that Zoom fatigue was a real problem for them, and 67% had some complaints regarding poor communication from their organisation. So handing over firstly to Emma, the first question is, was there a change, in your opinion, in the impact on mental health throughout the lockdowns?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think there was, without a shadow of a doubt a detrimental impact on employees' mental health and wellbeing throughout the various lockdowns. The first month, I think that there may have been a degree of excitement, certainly I saw that across the different clients that I work with. This was the first um, work from home experiment of its kind. Um, and I think most people at that point coped reasonably well, you know, businesses were, quick to respond in many cases and and shift their entire workforces from offices to to working from home. But I think as we, as the lockdowns continued, um, I think people started to really suffer from a mental health perspective. I think there were challenges in terms of socialisation, perhaps people feeling isolated, fearing for their jobs, having financial concerns um, and this saw a lot of people really keen to go back to the office. I was reading just recently a a study about the impact on mental health as a result of the lockdowns. some research conducted by Ulife and and Ugov suggested that 42% of people were more stressed at work than pre-COVID, pre the lockdowns that were imposed upon many of us. 38% were reporting disturbances to their sleep patterns and 33% overall felt far less motivated in their jobs. So I think absolutely there was a a real uh, decline in people's mental health and well-being.
0: Brilliant, um, thank you for that, Emma and Yodit. Um, kind of building on the points that Emma's just raised, how how do you think this has actually impacted businesses and the way that they operate moving forwards?
2: Yes, I and, and I agree with Emma's point that many points in, in terms of the first lockdown, I think people shut down very very quickly. Those um, those you know, it was it was chaotic, but it was very much in emergency mode. Over the subsequent time, obviously, businesses have tried to go into much more kind of business as usual mode, and and thinking about how to implement that, and and a lot of the kind of the fine, the nitty gritty on implementation, the challenges, and and what we've seen also from from the survey have been that people want to go back to the office, but in a different way. They want to use the office in in much more of a hybrid model where they're going in two to three times a week. And that brings challenges to the organization that is providing the space. You know, hybrid will bring more complexity into workplace managers and FM's lives. There's considerations around peaks, uh, managing peaks, when to use, when to enable different teams to come in and how to balance that. And also planning seasonality, you know, when are they going to, when when are employees going to come in more, are they going to use it more in the winter periods or the summer periods. And lastly, also forecasting, right, how many people are going to need an office, what is is going to be our headcount growth, plus what is the percentage of people that are going to need it office space And, and what will we need over the next 12 months and so forth are huge challenges.
0: The next area that we asked people to comment on in our survey was regarding their working expectations. And we actually found some very strong correlations here, some very strong findings uh, in that 86% of respondents wanted flexible options going forwards. And this isn't an isolated finding. Hubble HQ showed that overwhelmingly, most employees want the option of working one day from home a week, for example. And then we also found that 91% of respondents uh, say that their company is moving to implement these changes. It doesn't really stop here. We also found that the physical design of the office and purpose of the office is expected to change. 88% of people said that they expected it to change, with roughly half a respondents saying they want more collaboration spaces, bookable spaces. So Emma, back to you for this one. How do you think that these expectations are going to change, or how will they impact HR and facilities team's roles as as we come back into the office?
1: So I think um, it's fair to say hybrid working is is here to stay, David. Um, And I think from an HR and a facilities perspective, we need to take into account both the employee experience Um, when making changes to the office and using that to inform the types of changes that are made. I think the point that you make here about um, employees wanting to work from home at least one day per week um, is a really relevant point. Um, In fact, some, some other studies that I've been looking at suggest that the employee demand for um, hybrid working, for flexible working is so extreme that actually if any businesses look to implement fully on-site working moving forwards, they're at risk of losing up to 39% of their employee population, so huge numbers. So I think HR and facilities actually need to work together to look at the art of the possible. Um, work is no longer constrained by geography now. So there's some real opportunity here for businesses to tap into a, a wider talent pool. And I think more and more businesses, particularly as they look at returning people to the workplace, need to plan for um, the safety factor, need to plan for people's well-being, um, And therefore from a, from a business strategy point of view, I think all of that needs to be taken into account. So certainly, I think we need to move and we're seeing many businesses move from a human centric, sorry, from from a office-centric approach to more of a human-centric design around work. And by that, I mean it's important for both HR and facilities to work around employee-driven flexibility, employee preferences. Uh, It's important to take into consideration intentional collaboration, but also for managers to apply more of an empathy-based style to how they are managing and leading their teams of people in this hybrid world
0: yoda the the next question i've got for you actually can probably build on these quite well which is what do you think they need to be doing to, to kind of facilitate some of these challenges to actually tackle them on a day-to-day basis
2: i think the role of the workplace manager um the fm commercial real estate really is going to evolve greatly and to support emma's um coining the term the kind of human-centric design facility teams are really going to be product managers of the workplace and really thinking and, and using technology data to support that drive towards much more responsive spaces that are fit for purpose for what people need from it not necessarily just top-down design but really looking at what do people need and employees are not a monolith. There's different needs within teams within neighborhoods and so forth and really getting into understanding much more and getting technology to support it around I think booking is becoming the norm in, in terms of desk booking as, as people prepare to return to work finding tools to manage work rotations and and phasing of employees it, it, it's a much more it's going to be a much more managed process and you know social distancing will come and go so over you know as peaks happen Um, In different locations, different types of social distancing norms will have to be brought in for periods of time. And and a lot of that will be supported by technology. It's really quite hard to do manually or in any other ways.
0: Thank you for that both. We'll move on now to the third topic that we, we covered in our survey, which is very important one should be really number one priority for all teams as employees come back into the office, and that's health and safety. To provide some context to the stats that I'm about to take you through, the question we asked our respondents was what their company had done to make it safer to return to the office. And not surprisingly, Uh, We saw lots of people referencing PPE, increased cleaning. But what was quite an unexpected result from, well, at least my perspective, was that 44% of respondents saw flexible work rotations as a way to manage employee safety. And given how much we've learned about viral transmission over the course of the pandemic itself and the relationship between particulate matter and transmission rates, 50% of respondents said that monitoring indoor air quality had the greatest impact on employee health. So Emma, in, from your perspective, how do these changes on these kind of shifts in priorities affect HR and leadership teams?
1: They affect HR and leadership teams massively. Um, I think there's a real onus and accountability on HR, on facilities and on all leaders to uphold public health best practices, whilst also ensuring that employees feel Safe about returning to work, that they feel supported. Um, I, it's interesting because I'm working with a number of clients at the moment, and and I'm seeing the sort of uh, rotational elements coming into play um, in terms of you know working within the parameters that we're currently having to operate within to. Um, to respect social distancing and, and other safety measures. So I think, you know, we need to continue to make sure that workplaces are safe. Um, you know, health and safety, well-being, both physical and mental needs to be the number one priority. Um, and I think from a leadership perspective, um, leaders are gonna have to um, embrace a more enlightened approach to leading their teams. You know, this, this traditional approach of having people um, in the office for eight hours a day is clearly a thing of the past, and so I think, you know, breaking down those beliefs about where work gets done and how work gets done um, needs to be high on the on the um, list of priority activities.
0: Thank you for that, Emma. And. Um... Yoda, I'm going to hand over to you for the for the environmentals, as I know it's something very, very close to your heart. So, what steps would you recommend that businesses take to actually ensure that these environmental factors are being closely monitored and acted upon as offices reopen and capacity increases?
2: Yeah, indeed. And standards such as the world building standards and, and so on had already brought the wellness agenda. To the fore, but now with COVID, that is that is top of the agenda for, for most organisations, and and I think we all understand how important you know well done, ventilated buildings and how important fresh air is around minimizing the risk of um, COVID transmission for any indoor environment. Frankly, what we really kind of re- recommend looking at is CO2 levels, and CO2 we use as a proxy with our clients to help people understand how well the, the fresh air intake and the HVAC systems are doing. And you see it often as the workday starts, uh, CO2 levels are pretty low. And then as utilisation increases, as people come into the office, as they exhale, if the HVAC systems and the circulation systems aren't as good, um, CO2 builds up during the day and can be quite high. And this tells us really that we need to up the the circulation. Humidity has a huge factor on the the strength of viruses, the higher the humidity, keeping it between 40 and 50% is recommended. That decreases the viral strength in an indoor environment by something like 70%. And there's really good data and research out now. And for any indoor environment, this has to be a consideration going forward. And that is just the COVID impact. We also know that CO2 and other factors they affect people's cognition. They bring on brain fog, and so there's a huge productivity aspect as well that is also up for discussion. But the immediate is um, getting as much fresh air into environments as possible and, and increasing humidity.
1: Um, can I just add something in there that that sort of came to mind as as Yodit was talking? I think. Um, you know, it's going to be really important from from an HR and from a facilities and a leadership perspective when people are back in the workplace to collect data as much as possible. So use that data to optimise the employee experience and ensure employees have the right mix of um, space to perform collaborative activities as well as focused work activities. So I think for those businesses that are, you know, embracing data and have the technology to support them, it's going to be really helpful to monitor how people are using office space, how they're moving in and around the workplace to inform how that can be continuously evolved and shaped.
0: Thank you for that. That actually um, ties in very nicely to where we're moving on to next, which is all to do with actual space requirements and usage of office spaces. But before we, again, before we dive into the findings from our survey, there was a very interesting finding from a recent PwC survey that said 87% of executives anticipate that their real estate strategy is going to change in the next 12 months. And then now going back to our survey, 47% of respondents predicted that their real estate footprint, will increase and 32% that it will decrease. Now, these are quite significant changes and they're they're very long-term changes. So it was quite shocking to us to find that 60% of respondents' organisations were currently relying on manual data and only 56% of them felt that they actually ever got a chance to provide feedback or a preference in these changes. So, Yoda, going back to you again for this one, why do you think it's important to move away from these manual surveys and to actually start to automate this process? especially given the time that we're currently in.
2: Indeed, I mean, manual surveys always had a weakness in a sense that it was a a week or two time snapshots of, of data. Now we are in a much more fluid and evolving, highly evolving situation, and we will be for the next, you know, two, three years. And that kind of data is not really, really going to be helpful. What we're going to see is a lot of variances between teams that we need to start identifying so the way we look at it is organizations often when they do real estate planning look at a lot more top-down modeling than they should we we think of it as it needs to be bottoms-up modeling looking at mobility profiles of the different types of work patterns that teams have and individuals have It, it makes no sense to say we're going to have person to desk ratio of let's say one to two and just have that blanket across the organization it makes much more sense to look at okay who are the group of people that need fixed desks and 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 what is the percentage of that and let's just give them fixed desks and then who are the people that are using need to use touchdown spaces because they're mostly in meetings or mostly out and about and then there's going to be a subsection of people that are going to just come in one to two days a week into the office and planning on a much more profile level is really it it, it makes a lot more sense um, it makes the office fit for purpose and then we'll look at also you know the changes in collaboration how collaboration spaces were used before and after are going to be completely different. If I have a, if I'm used to working from home and I have a desk at home, the reason why I come into the office is going to be very, very different to how I used it before COVID. And a lot of this cultural change and 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 what would have been kind of change management over long periods of time have been accelerated. And accepting that and moving from that point is going to be the key. And that's on the kind of more utilization side. Obviously with environmental data, the case for automation is is there. If if you used other methods, it would just be a one-time snapshot of what let's say CO2 or other particulates are. Um, You need to see the gradual changes during the day. You need to start tying it to what is happening what else is happening? Is, is CO2 going up because utilization is really high or is there other factors that are affecting it? So data collection in terms of automation is, I think, significantly key. It's it's going to be the way forward. And, and we're going to be building in a lot more automation in terms of buildings over the coming years, because hybrid working models are essentially so complicated as manual is not really going to cut it.
0: I agree At bigger picture you can gather data on the far more powerful decisions you can actually leverage in those plans. So final question for you Emma is in this world that we're moving to of automation and data how much of a role do you see HR having in the reconfiguration of the office for those returning to work?
1: Um, I think HR has a significant role to play I, I don't think it's a A unique role, I think this is a shared responsibility and I see HR as really being the glue between all of the different um, functions in order to drive the the strategy forward, Um, I think the purpose of the office has to be really clearly Defined so, you know, Yodit was talking there about desk space and and people who are accustomed to having that space at home um, with the with a desk will probably go into the office for a, for a different kind of reason. So I think HR's role is really to look at you know how people are working, what opportunities they have to come into the office, and I think considering workforce um, planning, workforce strategy is going to be um, really helpful. I think there's, there's going to need to be a move away from perhaps considering roles to looking at specific tasks, looking at specific skills and how they may need to definitely be performed from an office environment versus from a remote environment or within a hybrid working model. So I think in terms of um, automation, in terms of technology, I think HR can um, use data available to help um, business units and to help teams and to help the, the key stakeholders really understand how different tasks are performed, how employees tend to interact and tend to collaborate with one another in a shared space. I think you know one of the big um, lessons to be learned here is you know don't just assume that that it's once and done. Continuously um, review your approach, continuously apply the, uh, the, the, the learning and look at how you can make changes and flexes to your approach as you go. So it's, it's very much a case of learn as we go and refine as we go.
0: I totally agree with you on that front. There is no one size fits all approach to these kind of change processes. And implementing these changes successfully. We know from working with these large multinational organizations that what it's important to do is find what works for your organization, to find your priorities, and find the model that works for you. What we can say is true across the board is the importance of making small, iterative changes, kind of fine tuning your process, and just tweaking it. Find your happy medium as such. Secondly, when we spoke about changing expectations, it's vital that expectations are a part of workplace strategy. The success of the workplace can in some ways be defined by the satisfaction of the employees in that workplace, whether or not they, have, they need a say and how it's shaped. And how it goes forwards and how they actually get to work in the space that you provide for them and similarly to this this can't be done without data we need to be moving away from manual surveys especially in the, the fluid nature of the environments as as yoda described them as there's so many moving parts now that we can't be relying on snapshots the data needs to be continual needs to be from multiple sources and that's the way we can identify these trends and patterns which enable us to create the best environment for the people that are currently using it. And finally, this means having the tools and solutions necessary, such as space occupancy solutions and booking software to not only enable employees to easily access these spaces and interact with them and move through them, work rotations, space allocation, growth, all of these things which impact employee experience and safety within offices, tools are gonna be a central part of that moving forwards. Um, We have had some questions come in. So we'll move on to the Q&A section. And the first one, I'm going to direct towards you, Emma. And that is, is there a noticeable impact on organisations where they had a local pool of talent that may now be tempted to work further afield?
1: Yeah, I actually think this is a, a, a unique opportunity, actually. So um, I think the way the way that the question was phrased is, is there a notable impact on organisations that were perhaps previously tapping into a local talent pool? So, yes, there might be, you know, there, there might be. But actually, the upside of that is that given the way the world is going given the move to more hybrid working i think organisations have the benefit of tapping into a much wider talent pool we're no longer restricted by geography and location you know people can work uh, within reason from anywhere this past you know 15 18 months has has proven that so i think there is a real positive from a talent acquisition from a retention perspective um, people can go and, and move to the place perhaps they've always aspired to move to and and be comfortable knowing that they can retain their existing roles they don't necessarily need to jump ship They can stay where they are and work from wherever they choose to move to or live from within reason, providing, of course, the organisation is embracing this enlightened way of uh, hybrid working.
0: So we mentioned actually earlier in the presentation that 47% of people believe that their real estate footprint is going to increase. Yodit, what do you think is the likely driver behind, behind that expectation?
2: I think it's a mix of several things. I do know that As as we're changing the traditional office setting um, and having much more collaborative spaces and as we question what is the office for, the, the redesign will change. Even though less people are coming into, I think the space won't be less. It will just be different. I do know that several companies are looking at opening satellite offices to give people the best of all worlds, which is less commute, but also having some collaborative spaces. Um, closer to them. Social distancing is going to is going to limit the capacity for clients that have worked through the pandemic and we have some essential services clients that had to cap utilization at you know 30 percent uh now going into more 50 percent territory over time they will reopen back up but sometimes in some regions they might have to limit utilization depending on viral surges people are stopping to think they, they've stopped thinking about the number of deaths and they're really kind of thinking about the real estate strategy to be does it provide for purpose uh, spaces and in terms of locations really reassessing HQs and having much more closer kind of satellite offices.
0: I think we should probably wrap up there so I'd like to thank everyone who's, who's listening in for your time this afternoon and also Emma and Yodit for sharing with us your expertise and your knowledge on this matter. Thank you very much and we'll see you next month.